Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lafondra looking to get close side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. It's not three points for running again on the road. Uh, this is a really crap podcast to record i'll be honest and it is not gonna be a lot of fun uh it's the elm park rules podcast supported by blue collar street food uh i'm alex your host as you can tell i'm not in a great mood today because reading lost again on the road yesterday 2-1 against Leighton orient and nick and hugh are here to join me to discuss i don't know i don't even know what the amount is now 20th loss or something in the last year away from home Nick, it's it's not really going very well, is it? No, I'm pretty fed up with the away form. And I think it, it feels worse because we've literally got three away games in a row and then we drew Burton in between. And then we've got Charlton away next outside of the cup. And it's just, there's no sort of ending in sight, it feels, because we just look hopeless away from home. You can't see any light at the end of a tunnel yet, Hugh, can you? No, it just, I think a lot of fans kind of um, looked at these fixtures and looked at where Northampton and, and Orient were in the league and the fact that um, Orient had come up from League Two before and thought, well, this is where we'll finally get one on the road. We'll finally kind of break that away curse. And it just hasn't happened. And, and deservedly so, we've, we've lost away from home again. As you can tell, we're all very upbeat here. Yeah, it's going to be a a really long like 40 minutes podcast or however long this will be, but um, we'll try our best to get through it. I think the yeah the game yesterday we we looked like we were going to make three changes to the side uh, which played in midweek at Northampton. Uh, Savage going to the bench um, with Hutchinson, Ballard, and Nibs coming in. Um, Hutchinson getting injured in the warm up, Nick. And I, I really think this this hugely changes the style and the way that the team plays with Savage coming back into that first eleven yesterday. Yeah, I think as well, Savage deserved to be dropped this weekend, and he, and he initially was. Um, and Hutchinson had come on against um, Northampton, and uh, we looked a lot better from that. And I know he's been ropey as well. I don't think we've got very good midfield balance in general. I think we need to see a... A Michael Craig, a Rashesha, uh, and Bengo when he's fit, someone like that with a bit of energy going in next to wing, who's probably comfortably our best midfielder. Um, so I don't think wherever we play there just is imbalanced. And yeah, Savage lately hasn't really done a lot. He's sort of, you forget he's there, he's running around a lot, headless chicken, takes a book in from a rash foul. And then he comes back in, it's like, okay, well, 
it's done now. You know, Hutchinson's injured. We expect him to get injured at some point anyway. Um, let's see how he does. But he needs to needs to step up a lot more now. I think we've got past the the always oh, amazing. Oh, we just signed this worldy Manchester United youngster with big potential, and he needs to actually start performing like one. Ballard obviously started yesterday, Hugh, after his goal in midweek. And I saw a couple of comments around how Ballard should probably be the first name on the team sheet. And it, it, honestly, I find it really difficult to disagree with that. I think he's by far the most talented player we've got in the team. Yeah, and he looks he looks to get in behind. And a lot of the time where we're playing it into the channels, Ballard's definitely suited to that. He'll chase after every loose ball. And he... Not that anyone really had a good game yesterday, but Ballard looked bright. He had a couple of moments where he got in behind, could have done a, a little bit better. But I think the support behind him in Aziz and Nibs wasn't wasn't exactly great yesterday. I was a bit I was a bit confused with Ballard's position as well yesterday because it seemed a lot of the time he was setting up in a in a number ten role. But I and it was like kind of Sellers' reaction to to what had happened at Northampton was to put an extra man in midfield by having Ballard in behind and, and big Kelvin up top on his own. But to me, Ballard looks like the exact kind who should be buzzing on the on the shoulder of um, the last defender, especially when you've got kind of no VAR in this league. So it's just down to a linesman's eyes as to whether or not you're offside for these. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'd be playing him. Um, I don't know about first name on the team sheet because I'm still interested to see when Sam Smith comes back and, and who, because I've, I feel he will be our best striker. I think the hype around around Big Kelvin has started to fade away a bit after after yesterday, another game where he was a bit ineffective too. Yeah, Sam Smith obviously isn't back from injury yet, and I think he's meant to be due back in the next couple of weeks. I mean, he's got to he's, be back. He's so. training. He's trained with the team. I think uh, G Min said he's trained with the team. Uh, Sellers said this. Sorry, through G Min, um, he trained with the team yesterday. I think. Oh, sorry, it would be Friday. Yeah, we desperately need him in and come back. Um, we just we look short up front, really. I think is the the main main takeaway so far uh, from these kind of opening ten games. But obviously, we don't just look short up front. We look kind of a bit ropey everywhere, to be honest. Because um, that first twenty five minutes yesterday here was it was really it was all Leighton Orient and Reading just looked like they got torn to shreds. Uh, you know, I think probably if we'd been two or three nil down after 25 minutes, it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been unfair, really. I think they no, hit the bar after 20 minutes or so. Yeah, they had a good chance where they hit the crossbar before the goal. I think um, my mate turned to me and said, kind of um, early on, that it's like it could be two or three before they even got their goal. It was it was one way traffic, and I think what we're starting to see with some games, and I think we we predicted this with with the team we're putting out is some games it really will look like boys against men. Um, Orient looked more physical than us. They seem to win every 50-50. It looked like we were backing out of some challenges. And when you do that, all that's going to happen in a game is that the pressure just keeps on coming wave after wave. We just, we couldn't get out of our own half. I mean, we had, we had a couple of corners early on, but then after that, it really was one way traffic until, until their goal. I mean, it didn't help, Nick, that yesterday, I mean, the, the first half, I, the 25 minutes marker was kind of a good good point here to discuss it, but we couldn't keep the ball. And, like, you look at some of the, the passing stats from yesterday, Harvey Nibs had one pass 
one successful pass yesterday in the entire time he was on the field for whatever it was, 80 minutes. Like, I don't... It's very difficult to only have one successful pass, I think, in a you know in a game. Yeah, I saw that this morning as well about Harvey. It shocked me because I just didn't really notice. Well, I didn't really notice too much of Nibs yesterday, but he's not showing enough for the ball. Uh, it, it's funny because I think when he got dropped a few weeks ago, he sort of deserved to come out of the team because he wasn't. It was like, what was he doing anyway in the team? What, what was he sort of um, you know helping him in, in the games? What, what was he adding to the games? And then. When he was out the team, it's like I feel like his energy is missing. So when he plays, we're not getting anything from him. But when he doesn't play, I feel like that energy's not there as well. So it's a bit of a conundrum with what we do with Nibs, but he's just not showing showing for the ball enough. I mean, Matty Carson got on the ball a lot yesterday and he was down the left side with him. He should be linking up with Carson and causing trouble for their fullbacks. But yeah, to only complete one pass, I think he played. He must have played, what, 70 minutes? Just under 80 minutes, I think it was, yeah. It's one pass. It's shocking. You see that for strikers sometimes, and I get that. I think, was it Haaland or Lukaku a few years ago, like 10 touches or or whatever? And you sort of expect it from a striker who just is there to score the goals, you know, and Adam Lafondra. But your winger needs to get on the ball more, at least start creating if they're not completing passes and taking on their man and... uh, creating dangerous opportunities and he's just not doing that but then I don't think anyone is anyway there's nobody in the team that that is doing that for us no I agree there's nobody who's taking the game kind of like by the scruff of the neck and then just putting their foot on the ball a bit and holding on to it and I think you look at the percentage we had, I think we had 29% possession 27 in the first half something like that it was you know really awful like just passing was just inaccurate couldn't hold on to it at all and I think it was 25, 26 minutes in um, that Orient got the first goal. And it comes from the left-hand side. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people out there listening who are sitting there saying, oh, I'm not surprised. Carson's been done again on the left-hand side. And I felt really bad for Carson yesterday because he gets zero protection for that first half an hour or so here from Nibs. And every single attack was... Well, Orient switched it over from left to right and had their wing back and the right winger were two on one against him every single time. Um, and then when the goal finally comes, it's a low cross from that left-hand side. And, and it could have come from either side, to be honest, because it was the same for Binden. He was getting doubled up on, on the other side of the pitch. And something's got to change with the style of play. The sellers has to tell Aziz and Nibs to drop back or it's got to be the kind of Whichever side it's coming down, Savage drifts over to help out and then kind of wing dominates the middle of the pitch. But yeah, like you said, so many chances right now. It happened at Northampton, happened again today. The the cross comes in and I think, is it Savage stabs it away um, or Dean in the middle? Um, I think it's who ends up like stabbing his foot at it. But so often with Reading, we put in these kind of half-assed clearances where it just drops to the opposition. I've lost count in the last year how many goals we concede like this where it comes into the box and just everyone seems to forget that you can just lever a football 40 yards if you want to. And it it drops to the edge of the box. Great technique from the Orient player. I know it sounds like we're being really miserable about Reading here, but let's not take anything away from Orient. They turned up at home with a game plan. Their fans properly got behind the team at times yesterday. So fully, fully deserved their win. And and yeah, it was a really good finish. He's kind of just 
run onto it, edge of the box. Um, and from our perspective as well, in the way, and was a bit difficult sometimes to see what was going on down the other end of the pitch with some um, massive poles blocking the way. Yeah, I I do agree. I think Orin were good. Um, how much of it is us making them look good, and how much of it is is them actually being good? It's you know always going to be a mix of the two. Um, it was definitely a good finish though, but it, it's it's a really weird. Uh, kind of sensation to see Reading go one nil down this this season, especially Nick, because I think this isn't the first time that we've seen it that Reading go one nil down, and all of a sudden something clicks and they 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 kind of turn themselves into a different team. Because after we conceded the goal yesterday, the next ten minutes or fifteen minutes until we got the equaliser was all Reading. Everything was Reading, and we looked suddenly like quite a good team for about a 10, 15 minute spell. Yeah, it seems to happen that we sort of turn up the gears a bit and we get into the game and uh, a, a few times we've equalised in these games. And actually after that, we should have then gone on to win these games with chances and, you know, pretty soon after the equaliser. And the same sort of happened again yesterday, happened against Exeter. Um, and these, and even when we got back in the game against Northampton on Tuesday, we, we had chances to equalise before they killed the game off late on. And it's it's the same same reaction too late. And it's I think yeah, maybe we start too negative, but I, I'm not sure. I'm starting to question the system a little bit, if I'm honest, especially away from home. I think we're too narrow. Um, it's like you said earlier with Carson and Binden, they're just sort of being left to the wolves a bit. Uh, we're not doing anything out wide or waiting for the fullbacks to get forward, Binden and Carson and creating our, our chances going forward because there's no width with Nibs and um, and Aziz. And it's, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't work. We're just getting overran all over the pitch. I just think we're, we're just too narrow. Um, but you can see when we start getting into these games and we go one nil down, there, there's the potential there and there is some quality there that we can create and uh, dominate games to an extent and uh, you could see you could see the difference when when Leighton Orient are attacking and their their quality on the ball and their chances they're creating when you see someone like Ballard or Kelvin or Batman get on the ball in those areas or Aziz you can see that they've got much more quality than the Leighton Orient players individually but whatever's it's just not working as a team we're just not clicking uh, on a consistent level we're getting into games too late I just think it might be the setup. I mean, doing it for 90 minutes is definitely, def you know, different to doing it for 10 or 15, unfortunately. Um, I think Reading had maybe three chances, Hugh. Two or three chances. They definitely had a couple of shots on target before the goal. Ballard had one from inside the area, um, which the keeper saved. Um, and then, we, you know, it felt like we were getting into the game, certainly. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we were starting to attack down both sides as well. Um Binden seemed to be getting forward better as well for me than um, winning the game against Northampton. And yeah, definitely some chances there. And Eobish, when he, he has these moments, there's one where he cut into the box right in front of us. And he's got those kind of quick feet, like a like a Lucas Shaw, isn't it? He's very, he's very kind of gangly, but he still has this kind of way of just trickery to get past an opponent. And he flashed a ball into the box, but unfortunately... We couldn't finish. I think Savage had one fall to him from a corner where if he just hit it a bit cleaner, it might have might have gone in. But, um, yeah, it, it's weird, like Nick was saying, how it seems to take us conceding a goal away from home to suddenly wake the team up. Same at 
I mean, we nearly scored as well when we went a goal down there, um, right before their second, actually, at Northampton. Exeter, it was like that. They dominated for half an hour, scored, and then everything between um, their goal and half-time was, was all reading in that game as well. So it's just, I just wish we could start a game like that, just full throttle. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely, because if you can come out like that and you get a goal in the first 15 minutes rather than waiting until you've you know conceded after half an hour or 40 minutes it it can completely change the game and and the goal nick was it, it's a it's a good goal um or well worked goal at least i'm not sure it's a good finish um really but you know i'm not gonna not gonna complain at all at the finish but uh the ball comes across from carson on the left hand side another good cross by carson i'll be honest like that is definitely his best attribute he's by far the best crosser of the ball in this team. Um, puts the ball basically on a plate for Ballard, who's probably unfortunate not to score his header and he's hit the post. And Binden's kind of just... It, I mean, he's tried to shoot, I think, with his right foot and it's just kind of bounced off his left leg. And I have no idea how the keeper's kind of not reacted to this, but it's it's rolled in anyway. Um, and it, it, one one was... I don't know if it was a fair scoreline particularly, but... Um, yeah, it, it looked like the players all of a sudden were quite rejuvenated from that. Yeah, it was, again, like I said, Carson's crossing is probably the best in the team at crossing. He's a very good crosser of the ball. He's got a wonderful left foot on him. Um, as you know, he needs to improve on the defensive side. But if he does that, then there's a good player there because he's, he's got a great cross in him. He's got a dangerous, dangerous left foot, a bit of a Nicky Shorey there. Um, it's a great ball in. Ballon should score. Connects with that okay, but should put it in. Hits a post. Binden just it's a scrappy finish from him he's just got on the end of it kind of thing run onto the end of it got something on it and yeah like you said the keeper I don't know he's just sort of watched it go in um so it's a poor goals concede from their point of view in the end uh, but it rejuvenates us we just started like we we're saying there's as they score we grew into the game a bit and started creating chances with the, the Ballard opportunity and uh after we equalized we were the better team and I think Leighton Orient needed half time got to that point where Actually, we're the better team. We're showing our strengths. And um, we're the most likely team to score at that point. It looks like if we go in 2-1 up. I mean, I'd love to see what would happen if we took the lead in, in one of these away games, by the way. Would it be? Would we look like we're going to win 3-4-0 or or if we score first? Or will it be the same old and we concede a couple of goals later on? I don't know. But it just shows that what we can do when we get going. And, yeah, we should have, after that, gone on to score before half-time and take a lead into the break. Yeah, I mean, this chance is pivotal, really, going into half-time. And uh, it frustrates me so much that we haven't scored here. Uh, Ballard plays in nibs, and it's a one-on-one, Hugh, um, from 10 yards, maybe, 11 yards mm-hmm. out. And uh, I get it. I, I get that if this had been as easy, would have got pelters for not scoring here. He can't score, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, nibs has got to score here. Like, and... Absolutely. He's not going to get the... I, I'm sure of it. He's not going to get the criticism that he, he deserves for not scoring because he should score there, definitely. I I don't think Nibs is a very good finisher, to be honest. The, I mean, there's a reason he's a he's a League One player at, at the end of the day, that he's moved across from, from Cambridge to Reading and never kind of really troubled for higher leagues at this level because we saw at Cambridge away that he missed an absolute sitter hitting the crossbar... And it's, yeah, it's not the first time. 
I know I thought he was going to score this because it was so such a kind of well-worked chance. And you're thinking, oh, it's clean for on goal. He's just got to put it not straight. And I know it wasn't straight at the keeper. Keepers had to make a save. But it's one of those where a keeper can comfortably fall on top of the ball, essentially. But from there, you hit it with enough zip and that's straight in the bottom corner. But, like, you've got to be giving a keeper no chance. But it's like... Boy, you describe it, isn't it? He just passes it to the goalkeeper almost. The goalkeeper falls on the ball, nice, easy save. But yeah, it really felt like a pivotal chance that one. That was a, probably our best chance after our goal, even with the remainder of the game. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, it's just such a weak, like it's such a weak shot, really. And when you're one-one and you've come back from one-nil down and we haven't won away since whatever it is, 20 games or 20, I don't know how many games it is. I've lost count, but we haven't won away since last November. You come back from one nil down, you get a chance like that. Just you just put your foot through it, please. Like I'm begging Reading players to just, just shoot with some power when you get that kind of chance. I don't know. It's just that it's such a frustrating moment that um, to not see that go in, because as you say here, that, really was our best chance i think after we went one nil down uh after we got back to one one sorry to win the game and we're looking at then uh, you know the second half comes and i'm not sure that Leighton Orient dominate the second half nick um particularly but reading never really looked like they were going to go on and win it except for maybe one moment where Ebatman had a, a good run on the kind of a, a break uh maybe he should lay this off to I think it's Aziz and Ballard who are both kind of on his right-hand side. He should probably have laid it off. And instead, he's tried to take on a man and beats the man. But the shot is kind of an easy stop. Yeah, we have a couple of counter-attacks in that second half that just led to nothing in the end. But we should have made more from them. And that's, that's probably the best one where Iapatiman sort of breaks from the turn or halfway line, drives forward. And he's got options to his, I think both to his right memory. Uh, but he cuts in and shots blocked. Um, you know, it's, he, he's a striker. He wants to score the goals, but maybe he should lay that off and fashion a, a clearer opportunity there. And I think it was like three on two or three on three at the time. It's a big, big opportunity to to make make more of it. Um, and then later on, at some point, I think Ballard gets in a great position out wide and uh, plays in, tries to play with Kelvin again, and he sort of gets tackled on the turn there as well. It's it's frustrating because we didn't really do any more than that in the second half on the ball. We sort of just tried to stay positionally strong and uh, try and stop Leighton Orient creating much. We're giving away too many corners, I think, as well. But, yeah, we just didn't fashion any chance. I think Wing had a free kick as well at some point, And it's just straight at the goalie. It's just a wasted, wasted opportunity. But we didn't really do anything. That's the problem. I think they're trying to sort of just take the point or nick the win rather than push like we've done in previous games and then lost it late on through maybe pushing too much this time we're sitting back maybe too much rather than going for going for it enough it's uh i, I think we're at a bit of a loose end with it at the moment that second half we definitely moved to five at the back you uh it's particularly out of possession um i mean aziz is basically every time that later had the ball was playing as a, as a right wing back and it feels like Sellers is is trying to kind of change it at least out of possession. He's trying to change this system so that we're not, as we were saying earlier, we're not quite so narrow um, mm. off the ball. Um, 
but it, it does limit us somewhat because as, as Nick was saying, we just, we didn't really ever look like we were going to create particularly in that second half. No, it, it felt like one of those halves of football that just goes by, if you know what I mean, where you, you're there, you're present in it, but then all of a sudden it's 80 minutes and you kind of turn to your mates and go, what's actually happened this half? Like nothing, there were no real moments of it. Like Nick said, there was, there's a half chance with a free kick. The best was the, the Kelvin one, but it just seemed to be kind of end-to-end without many chances of which to to really speak. But um, Orient definitely started piling on the pressure. And I think just Reading were were edging further and further back. And both both teams were making silly, silly mistakes in that second half, I felt. None more than um, Aziz playing a 40-yard touch out for a, for a corner was, was definitely one of the highlights of the second half. Yeah, you can see his frustration as he just smashed yeah. the ball against the advertising hoarding and got booked for it. Of course, the Leighton Orient player who did the same thing two minutes later didn't get booked, but that's yeah. the referee refereeing consistency. It's fine uh, for you. The inconsistency of, of the ref yesterday, I mean, lot, this isn't for a second me blaming him for the result, but it's more the standard of refereeing that there were so many times he'd pull up a Reading player for trying to take two yards on a throw-in, but then you'd watch an Orient player take about five yards walking along the pitch. And then, like you said, Aziz gets frustrated at that awful touch where he puts out for a corner, kicks it against the advertising boards. We win a corner literally a couple of minutes later and their player just boots it about 40 yards away and absolutely nothing from the referee, not even a word with the player. So it's just like we thought championship referees were bad. This one is it's either... And he just seemed to have a grin on his face every time the... The Reading fans seem to like the frustrations boil over at him. He just seemed like happy to play the pantomime villain almost. The uh, the two pantomime villains from earlier in the season, I guess you could call them, Nick. Um, Tom Holmes and Nest Guinness Walker both came back into the squad yesterday and both ended up on the field. Um, we pleased to see them. We, you know, do you expect to see more of them now? What's kind of like what are your feelings on both of them going forwards? And how they're going to fit in? Yeah, I was pleased to see them both back involved. Um, you know, they're both they're both uh, senior players to an extent. Um, Holmes has been out of form, but I, I actually really like Tom Holmes. I think he's a, a good defender personally, uh, but he has been out of form and deserved to be dropped at the time. No, no denying that. Lester Guinness Walker, I don't think is amazing. I think going forward, he's quite exciting. Um, but left back's a massive, massive problem position. Mola's not looked great. Um, Carson's very ropey defensively. Um, and uh, I think the other option is Tom McIntyre is that position. And, and in the championship, I wouldn't want to see him there. But at League One, I think he's maybe even our best option, which says a lot. Um, you know, not disrespectful, it's not his position. But to see him back in and integrated in, I think it's good. I, think, I don't think he's any worse than, I mean, he's probably better than Mola and Carson as a left back. Uh, and then, yeah, Holmes, I don't think Dean has been great. I don't think he's been bad. I just don't think he's really done a lot either. And I don't think Holmes is any worse uh, than, than Harley Dean. And he's got the experience with Binden is 18. We've got to bear that in mind. He's going to have bad games. Um, so, yeah, I was pleased to see him back in. I think it's a way of integrating them. And I think the fact he brought them both on to integrate them back into the side says that he's probably going to start using them again. Uh, and I think he sort of has to, especially in Estegans Walker. I don't think there's much option out at left back other than using him going forward. Um, yeah, but both came on. It's good to see that. 
Uh, I think Holmes did fine. Made a good clearance, good header away. Um, he likes the, the nasty stuff in defence. He's happy to get stuck in. I think he shows himself a bit more than Harley Dean, if I'm honest. Um, and Nesta did one bit of great defending. I mean, there's a cross, was it, back to the back post? And it's a brilliant header. It's a very brave header from, from him when he's not actually that great defensively. That was superb defending. Uh, that was a certain goal I think he stopped from. Haven't seen it back, but it looked like it was going to be a certain goal if he doesn't do that. Uh, but yeah, I'm pleased. I think they, you know, they're going to get they're scapegoated now. That's how it is. Every year there's a couple of scapegoats, and this year it's probably going to be at least Tom Holmes, if not both of them. I guess on the subject of Tom Holmes, Hugh, he came on with ten minutes to go, um, and the Reading fans were not pleased. Let's say that it was Don Ballard who came off uh, for him. Now, I can see both kind of sides of this, certainly. Don Ballo coming off is not really what you want when you're 1-1 in a game and you haven't won away for however long it is and you're taking off probably your most dangerous player. However, I can also understand bringing Tom Holmes on for a forward late on in a game where you've lost your first five away games and you're like, you're as a manager and presumably a squad as well, you're thinking this is a good opportunity to break the duck, just, you know, go home with a point. Let's just see it out here. And I get the logic, but is it the right choice to bring on Tom Holmes there? I I didn't get the logic because I felt that's the kind of move you make if you're under the cosh already, and then you kind of go, okay, get an extra man in the box. But it never, it's still even on eighty minutes felt like an end to end game. And for me, bringing on Holmes was an admission of okay, the next fifteen minutes we're almost going to just voluntarily put ourselves under the caution. And the moment you do that, as we then, which we'll get on to discuss with the goal, you give yourself that opportunity that all it's going to take is someone to kind of get a loose touch in a box because the ball is going to spend like half of the remaining minutes probably in, in and around the Reading area until they score. And it's like, I wouldn't have minded seeing, because I know he's even played there for the under... 21s recently seeing Holmes maybe brought on for for Savage in holding midfield to kind of be the physical presence there to kind of stop the creativity through the middle for them but it just felt like especially because Kelvin seems to have 70 minutes in him and then he's out of steam we had when that change was made we had no out ball anymore I'd have um I'd like to have seen maybe Vickers come on for Ballard because Vickers can drop into the midfield, I think, a bit better than Ballard. You go five in midfield, but you've still got that. And and Vickers, for 20 minutes, will give you absolute energy. He will kind of harass the fullbacks. And I think, if anything, that's that's more what we needed. And it, it just struck me as a bit of panic from Sellers. And, and yeah, it probably didn't help the Reading fans' reaction. Not that, I mean, we'll know whether or not it made a difference, but kind of the, the negative reaction maybe kind of led to players panicking a bit on the pitch because it just, yeah, it felt like we really tried to dig deep. But I don't think I don't think this is a team with the confidence to be able to play defensive football. We saw it under Paul Ince. If you've, if you've got two seasons in a row where you've conceded nearly 100 goals in each season, how are you going to feel confident seeing out a lead for 15 minutes, uh, seeing out a draw for 15 minutes? You're just going to think, oh, here we go again when it comes to trying to set up defensively. Yeah, I 
I can definitely see, you know, your point around Vickers makes a lot of sense. And if Atterman, he, he, he can't, he can't manage 90 minutes of football still really. Um, he's, you know, as you say, he gets to 70 minutes and he really is just completely gassed. He can't finish 90 minutes and, and be able to still be that outlet. Um, and maybe Vickers coming on would have been a better choice. Um, it, it did put us under the cosh. I don't think Orient created a whole ton of chances in that last 10 minutes. We weren't, it, it didn't feel, Nick, uh, to me at least, it didn't feel like they were, you know, knocking on the door every two seconds, creating loads of chances, apart from the, the you know, the Guinness Walker header clearance that you you mentioned earlier. I, I can't really like pinpoint a, a big chance that Orient had. They hit, they hit the bar, I can't remember if it was in the last 10 minutes. Or it was minutes. just before that last 10 minutes, yeah. Yeah, they, they hit the bar. I mean, he probably should have hit the target, really, from there. You know, he was a bit wide, but, uh, you know, he had no defenders in the way of him. It was, that was the only sort of time they carved us open. Um, well, they, I wouldn't say it was carved, but, you know, they created a fairly good chance. Um, after that, they, they didn't really create anything. We were just dealing with everything well. They were just sort of knocking on the door in terms of, we were sat back quite deep, but they weren't really looking like they were going to score. I think it looked like it was just going to end one all. But I think as a Reading fan, you sort of know that's not going to end one all. It's, you know, if you're a neutral and you're watching it, you think, oh, this will just be right to be one all. I can't see a winner. But when you're a Reading fan at the moment, and this season especially, you know that a late goal will probably come and just kick us up the arse a bit. And, uh, you know, it just it's just the same every week at the moment. Um so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they did eventually sort of knock the door down. Yeah, let's uh, move on to injury time. Um, yeah, Lewis Wing tries to see the ball out for a corner. Uh, I mean, from the standard to me, it, it, you know, it looks like it maybe it knocks his foot. I really couldn't tell from where we were. I, I, to be honest, I thought it was a foul against Lewis Wing in the first place. I was quite surprised that it wasn't a foul. The Leighton Orient players literally just bundled Lewis Wing over and into the ball. And for some reason, that ends up as a corner for Leighton Orient. Um, and it's a standard as corner, it's a standard corner as you could possibly get. Let's be honest here. It wasn't, it was in a dangerous area, but it was kind of out of the six yard box. Button has come out to punch it and he's he's missed it completely. And it's, it's the fourth goal in two games, which is, you can attribute to David Button, like and really only solely to David Button because, yes, the ball bounces off of Nelson Abbey later and get there first, but the goalkeeper has to claim that ball, Hugh. Like, there's just no. Quite, like you don't even you don't even need to catch it. Let's be honest here. He doesn't need to catch it. All he's got to do is just put a put a palm on it. That's it. But it's in that area where it wasn't it wasn't zipped in. And I was just thinking, it's like not even just Hanuman Martinez, our our best keepers of the last era, come out and catch that. Even your kind of Sam Walker's Ansi Yakula, that's the kind of corner. Two steps and you just jump up, catch it. He goes for the punch and he yeah, he completely flaps it. I mean he had an okay game other than that yesterday but there's no point having an okay game other than that if you if you can't be called upon 
as a 34-year-old senior keeper as well, it's not like he's a lightweight keeper as well. He's, he's, he's a fairly built fella. He should be able to command the area. And so it's like, we'll either catch it or get a strong punch on it. To, to have got a professional football career that's lasted this long and not be able to catch a simple cross. And then, like you said, the mistakes in the week against Northampton, it, it really does. It makes you wonder, one, what's it going to take him to be dropped but how how do you drop him because how do you then bring him back into a fold do we end up with a season like kind of like Arteta's Arsenal where it's just going to be where every mistake means you rotate between Pereira, Boyce, Clark and Button but yeah we, we had a season where we we was it under Clement where we ended up with Walker, Manone, Nicola, yeah and then Martinez and we ended up playing four I think four or five yeah. keepers season we're going to end up with a season like that it feels like at the minute yeah and every that season you're right every time they made an error it seemed like Clement went from from one to the other keeper and you're never going to get because goalkeepers a weird position you just need to have that faith in your number one but like yesterday because of I think the knock-on from Northampton I was terrified every time Orient came forward because it just felt like what's going to happen with Button today, and, and yet again, he's, he's dropped another clanger late on, and it has, it's cost us the game there, because if he stays on his line as well, when it bounces, I think um, it bounces off Nelson Abbey, and then it gets stabbed over the line, but when it bounces off Abbey, if he doesn't come for that ball, he's on his line, and that's an easy pickup for him, but you've, you've just got to catch for it, it sounds so basic, it's hardly match of the day analysis this, to say a goalkeeper should be able to take kind of two steps off their line and then catch a floated corner. But, yeah, livid about yesterday. Yeah, and, I mean, the frustrating thing, because, of course, it's we looked, we looked like we were going to get a draw yesterday. It might not have been a deserved draw. It might have been a lucky draw where Leighton Orient probably should have beaten us. But it, it felt everything it looks like a draw up until that point and we've been let down by an experienced player which makes it you know it makes it all the worse for having you know a player who's it's not their first professional season of football it's not you know their first 15 games of, of their reading career or well it is but you know i mean it's not their first 15 games of their career it's someone who's played hundreds of games in the football league who's who's made the mistake again and it's it feels like a never-ending cycle of kind of experienced players who are the ones who actually cost us these these moments in these games. Yeah, I mean, we, we've gone through, what, over a decade of really good keepers. And even the iffy ones were pretty good. Like, Manone wasn't as bad compared to what we've had lately. Uh, to then go into a season with Joe Lumley and a season with David Button, it's just frustrating. But the last sort of three or four years have culminated from, from that decade of being spoiled with goalkeepers of, of uh, high calibre. Um, but yeah, as, as Hughes already said, he, he shouldn't come for that corner. He should just stay on his line and that drops to him and he picks it up. I just don't think he needs to come for that one, really. It's just stay, stop it, one all. We take the draw. Not a really deserved draw, but a needed draw. Just stop that away rot and then build from there and start again. Um, and you know those mistakes against Northampton. I mean, I was there. I could see he made the mistakes, but when you watch it back, I watched that back on. I think Saturday morning, and wow, they were worse than what I thought even at the game. Like 
those mistakes. The third goal as well, because you couldn't really tell from from the stand how bad that third goal was. He's got long through it, the third goal. Yeah, he's like, pushed, pushed it in, hasn't he? But um, before these two games, I think he's been quite good, which is what's frustrating me. He's been all right for us, probably one of our better players up until probably Northampton. And now he's just the senior player letting us down. So you've got Nelson Abbey, a 20-year-old centre-back and an 18-year-old centre-back playing at right-back at the moment. And then what's Carson, 19 or 20 as well, playing left-back. They're not really the ones letting us down in these games at the moment, not fully. It's, it's the 34-year-old senior goalkeeper that's, I think he's won League One, or if not, just been promoted with Brentford. I think he's been promoted from a championship once or twice with teams. He's got tons of experience and has, you can see he's got the quality of a goalkeeper, but where are these errors coming from? Is it concentration? Is he just not as good as, you know, he's, he, as he lived on a career, somehow got to the point he's got to through, through fluke? I'm not sure. But he can't keep making these mistakes consistently and uh, costing us points when we're already losing them because of an owner as it is. But yeah, like concentration, rush of blood to the head as well. These are things you associate with a younger keeper. Like I remember when we put Jonathan Bond in goal at the start of the season, he was making those silly errors and you kind of thought, okay, but he's young, he's he's almost trying to prove himself. But when you put, what you associate with bringing in a senior goalkeeper is that you're going to get that calmness, someone that the defenders don't have to worry about. And the more this happens as well, the more that players like Abby, Binden, Carson, the younger ones, they're, they're meant to be able to look for the senior pros to lead by example, and, and they're just not at the moment. And he, it does worry me that we're just going to see mistake after mistake, and now that's going to filter into defence because they're going to have like less faith of what, do I play it back to him now? They're going to be worried, like, do I risk this going out for a corner or a long throw-in if I can't trust my keeper to make a simple stop? Yeah, you mentioned like concentration here, there, and it's, I mean, it's another goal we've conceded in injury time. I think that's the third goal or third time this season away from home already that 85 minutes or later we've conceded a goal to cost us points. So obviously yesterday, Cambridge, Exeter, Northampton we conceded late on as well, although we were already 2-1 down by that point. Um, it's like you've got to find a way to, Tighten, just tighten up at the end of games and not not concede. Um, like if you if you're going to concede every you know second game away from home in the 90th minute plus, you're not going to pick up points. And at the minute we haven't. So um, yeah, full time um, two one to Leeds Orient, and it's fair to say the Reading fans' reaction wasn't great. I'll be honest. I. I Actually, no, that's not true. The Reading fans' reaction was pretty shit uh, at full time. I know, Nick, you said you'd left like just as the final whistle went, and and Hugh, I think you were kind of like fairly fairly quick out at final full time as well. Um, I'm sure you've both seen kind of like what happened after the game uh, at this point, and it, it's really. It's disheartening to see a bunch of teenagers having however many people it is chanting you're not fit to wear the shirt at them after they've played maybe between them they've played 50 matches 
I, I don't get it. Like it's not it's not their fault that we're losing, you know. Um, yeah, they're the ones on the field, but most of them most of them have never played a season of professional football in their life. Like if you if you've gone out and reacted like that after the game, like take a look at yourself, reevaluate who you're who you're shouting at, who you're pushing your anger towards. Like they're they're not the reason that we're in this situation. On the field is just affected by off the field the whole time. You, like you need to take a look at the bigger picture here and understand that it's it's not these guys on the field who are who are letting us down, and the ones standing in front of the away end there at the end of the game getting called wankers and pricks. Like it's it's not their fault. Like they are putting in a hundred percent effort every week. Um, like you need you need to look at the bigger picture and, and understand the reason that they're even playing and the reason they're on the field is because we're restricted in the terms of squad we can create. Um, yeah, I mean, Nick, I know you weren't like necessarily in the ground, but obviously you would have seen the reaction afterwards. Like, it'd be yeah. Like, Throw me some, throw me some of your thoughts about after the game. Yeah, I mean, I left maybe thirty seconds before the final whistle went, just because I was a bit fed up with it, and the, you could you could sense the toxicity coming. Um, it wasn't a very uh, nice atmosphere, um, but I've seen the reaction. I think it's poor. Uh, you know, it's not great at the moment. We all know that the away form's awful. Some of Sellers' tactics, especially away from home, can be questionable. But these, these players are young and the players that stay behind are youngsters that shouldn't be called, you know, getting the abuse they're getting shouldn't be called wankers and not fit to wear the shirt when they've actually looked like some of our brightest sparks uh, in a long time, let alone this season. Um, you know, some of the senior players walked off or sort of mocked the fans a bit before they walked off. I get Tom Holmes walking off because he's getting abused as it is. He doesn't need any more, does he? So he might as well go down the tunnel. But... You know, they're fronting up to it. Sellers is fronting up to it. Just sort of, you don't need to applaud them off, to be honest. I don't want to applaud them when they lose to teams that we wouldn't have dreamt about playing a couple of seasons ago. We'd be too high for them unless they got to the championship. And now we're playing them. But you don't need to applaud them off necessarily. Um, but you don't need to abuse them like that, especially the youngsters. Especially, you know, Nelson Abbey's been brilliant, I think. And he's getting, you know, was he, someone said he was crying. He said, I don't know if that's true, but... You know, he's, he's clearly an emotional emotional at the moment. But even some of the reactions yesterday, like I saw a clip of a, a guy shoving his way down past an old woman and knocking an old woman over. That's disgraceful. If that's you, you're a disgrace. Like, what are you doing? Think, if you're pissed, then drink less because that's not acceptable. Maybe knocking over an elderly fan, that really, really wound me up. And just to go and abuse a few young, young kids on the pitch who are giving everything at the moment. Like, take a look in the mirror and just don't act like that and grow up. It just pisses me off. So, yeah, um, just do better. Don't take, you know, don't take it too far. The youngsters don't need to, you know, over-egg them and say, yeah, you're, you're playing really well because they're not. But you don't need to abuse them at the same time and uh, just try not to knock older people over as well in the future. And I think, like, echoing that, Nick, do do what we... Because I, I started heading down, I think, just before the whistle went, so I was still there... As the whistle was going, there's plenty of sea bombs flying around and, and calling the players wanks and whatever. It's like, just do what we did, just leave. If if it really is making you that miserable, it's like, are you really getting something out of abusing a bunch of teenagers or players in their early 20s? It's like we were saying before we started recording this, like everyone's looking at someone like Big Kelvin to perform right now. 
But it, this is what is like tenth, eleventh senior appearance. He made a couple under Noel Hunt at the end of last season. These were the kind of players who, in normal circumstances, they'd be getting fifteen minutes off the bench in games, and they'd be playing in the Carabao Cup, and then, well, I mean, now we're in League One, the the Paint Trophy or whatever it's called now. But like they're getting thrust into this situation. It's not their fault, like you said, Alex. It's it's the owner, and I do think if. If it makes you happy going down at full time to abuse a bunch of teenagers, you, you do need to take a long, hard look at yourself because there were there were some disgraceful scenes. I get it. People people are angry and they are right to be angry. I, I came away from that game fuming yesterday because it has been since before the World Cup, since we won away from home. And it is a like to not to monologue too long, but it is crap supporting Reading right now, to put it simply. Like, we have gone through the absolute ringer as a fan base in the last few years. There has been very little joy in following this club. But just if if it is going to make you react like that, you need to just step away from it. You've got to just head down the tunnel, go to the pub with your mates, go home, like, just Go fire up the PS4 or the PS5, play a bit of FIFA or something, whatever it needs to take your mind off it. But but going down and abusing a bunch of teenagers, they're not the ones who aren't paying HMRC. They're the ones who are wondering each month. Like I know for a fact if it was me in in my situation wondering, am I getting paid each month? I would be stressed as hell as well. So taking it out on those guys. And you and we've talked about it on previous pods. It's not just for players who aren't getting paid. They're going to be friends with. And you listen to ex-footballers talk about the relationships they had with, like the canteen staff, the receptionists at the club. These are people who are going to not necessarily minimum wage, but they're not going to be high earners exactly. They're not footballers, and they're wondering each month, is my paycheck coming through? And so. Our players are going to be seeing people they get on with, who they smile to, who they ask, like, how's your day, who are wondering each month, can I pay my rent, can I pay my bills, all because of one man. So directing your anger at the teenagers, just just don't, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think you two sum it up nicely there. Um, I will say, of course, it doesn't... It doesn't make them immune to criticism, of course. Mm. Like, you know, we're a podcast and we sat here and discussed for 50 minutes around the fact that they didn't play necessarily that well yesterday and they probably didn't deserve a draw. But, you know, as, as these guys have all both said already, if, it, if it's affecting you that much that you want to go down there because you're pissed and you're angry that you're going to go and be as a bunch of teenagers who've played maybe 10 games in their entire career, just take a step back like really think about it before you go and do it because it's it's just bad it's just bad to see um and you know you might be angry sad annoyed pissed off whatever it might be but ultimately like it's it's just not their fault that's that's kind of the message i think um you know we need to we need to kind of rally rally behind them as much as we can and as a fan base, if you if you're gonna split and I mean there was definitely scuffles in the away and just I saw one going down the stairs after the game. And if you're gonna see that kind of like division in the fan base, it's only gonna make it more difficult the longer we go through this season. Um and you know, Sellers isn't gonna get everything right and neither of the players, but 
as sitting there criticizing them after games and abusing them is it's not going to help anymore things aren't going to change things aren't going to get better from doing that um so yeah we'll we'll move on um from that and hopefully things kind of pick up at some point in terms of you know that kind of element of, of what's going on going forwards um obviously we've got the international break coming up now we've got swindon in the pizza paint i don't know what it is as as he said it's whatever it is the the football league trophy thing right we've got swindon at home this week and uh it's probably let's be honest it's probably not the worst game to have this week a game which really nick it doesn't really like i know it's swindon and i know people want to beat swindon but ticket sales are really minimal and i'm not sure people are that bothered no i couldn't be could be less fast. I'll probably just watch it at home, if I'm honest. Um, we'll play the kids. We need it. I think it's nice to a fresh game outside of league form to to have. So, um, yeah, it'll be nice to have a break from the league, hopefully a win. The youngsters will play again like they did against Exeter and uh, players not playing. Um, you know, it'd be good to maybe see Mamadi Kamara come back into the side. I don't know if it'll be too early for Sam Smith, but... Uh, it'd be a positive if you could make the bench or something. Uh, but yeah, let's try and get a win and get some confidence back in. And uh, it's a derby, so it'll still still mean something to win. So uh, yeah, just a nice break from league form. I think at the minute we're all a bit fed up with that. And it's a nice a nice change of scenery. Yeah, we've got two weeks obviously now till our next league game here, and it's it's going to be another away game. So no one's really going to be expecting <laughs> much, I'm sure. But like. Um... We, we probably are going to have to, I mean, how how many league games do you think we've got until, I, I would say until Sellers is, is gone, but really that's not, I, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. No, and I, I I wonder how, with the money situation, I, I think it came up with Paul Lint last season. Is is there even the money to kind of pay off a, a manager's contract? I don't know how that would work if we took the decision. It would almost be, would it have to be a mutual termination where Bowen could say to Sellers, look, it's not working, is it, mate? Do you just want to step down? But it, I think I think we're still away from that. I know, I, like, yeah, there, there are things I'm, I'm willing to criticise him for. I don't think defensively the formation's working. I think creatively as well, we should be playing it through the middle, but we're, we're constantly just booting balls down the channel that a lot of the time comes straight back to us because that is League One. Centre-backs just hoof the ball back towards you or head it 50 yards up a pitch. But um, it's it's worrying. I think you pointed out before we start recording that without the point, even without the points deduction, we'd be in the bottom four right now. But hopefully... Um, now that we've got an international break, a, a couple of players will go away. But if he can work a bit more on, on the shape, can come back a bit rejuvenated for Charlton. I don't think, I know it's another away game, but you never, I, what I do know is the game we win away from home, it'll be against the team whose fan base will turn around and go, that is classic us to be the one who break their duck. Because that's exactly what Reading fans have been saying for years whenever we've given a team and away win. It's been like 15 games since they've last won. It's like, yeah, classic Reading to do that. So we just need to find the League One equivalent, who it can be classic them to lose to us. Yeah, we we can definitely do a classic Charlton or a classic yeah. coming up. That would be, oh, classic whoever, somebody coming up, please. Um, 
yeah, I think we'll leave it there for today. And uh, thank you, Hugh and Nick, for joining me. We'll obviously be back at some point soon. Maybe we'll have a review of the, the Pizza Cup game. I'm not sure yet. Potentially, we'll discuss it. Um, if you've enjoyed, endured, got to the end of today's podcast, um, please drop us a five-star review on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. It's always appreciated. And, um, yeah, we'll be back very soon with another edition of the Elm Park Rules podcast. And hopefully it's a bit more fun to record and a bit more upbeat for you guys to listen to. Nice one. Cheers, everyone.